I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 
happen. She couldn't get over the fact that these shoes said more than anything he could say from his mouth. I mean, it's definitely not just you because I've heard a lot of people mention shoes when it comes to sort of first impressions. I'm so on board with Nina on this. Have you ever turned someone down because of their footwear? Well, I'm quite short. So say like a date is approaching me. First thing I'm going to see is their shoes and I'm going to look up and like, if yeah, it makes me feel a bit sick. I think most shoes are shit, to be honest. Yeah, that's kind of what I think. Like, I haven't I'm really interested. seen any good ones. I think it tells a story, doesn't it? The shoe. I draw the line <laughs> at bare feet. There was a guy out on Saturday. And yeah. He was a good looking guy who fancies himself as a bit of a kind of fixture on the, you know. What, a new edition? London party scene. I'm sorry, Sam, you went to Nashville. Things have changed. <laughs> um, and he was barefoot in the part in the house and it was like sticky floor <laughs> drinks flying glasses breaking and he was really like being barefoot guy and <laughs> he wasn't the most it wasn't the most pedicured foot so i was speaking to a guy the other day who has lots of um chem sex at parties at his and he said when guys turn up he always has a fresh pair of white socks that he demands everyone wears because that way he doesn't have to send people home based on cracked heels and oh. then and then i was like well how often does a cracked heel go through near your face during sex and he kind of demonstrated <laughs> um on the carpet using one of us as a kind of uh, <laughs> buffer so he said he'd rather just have everyone in these white socks so that you don't um you don't get foot in face during sex, which has never right. happened to me. But you I've don't like had really cute Smurfs as well. Yeah. Kind of sort of but then the idea of all these, like, these naked guys around kind of passing drugs and just in socks. He was like, well, don't you, don't you find that the idea of that really sexy? And I was like, well, not really with girls or guys, because I think s socks just kind of amplify the, some of the worst bits of people anyway. Can you stand up if that would actually make you not see someone again? That you just go on the first date and never see them again? Oh. Hannah and Nina are both creak creaking to their <laughs> feet there. Crinkling <laughs> our chainmail <laughs> shoes as we stand up. Yeah, but they'd have to be like a bit ho-hum generally as well. I, I would just pretend that I hadn't. I'd just walk out. I'd just pretend that... <laughs> I wasn't me <laughs> and that I was walking I away. Think you'd, I think you'd, you'd be like, hey, so what the fuck are on your feet? <laughs> like you wouldn't ignore it. You'd be like, let's talk about those. And if they were like, yeah, I just really like them. They're cool. See, now my deal breaker makes, makes less sense because I think that I would want to hear more about these ridiculous what if they just like, shoes. Oh, they're comfortable. The, but has it ever been a deal breaker? Has this actually happened? Um, in yes, but in different kind of, it, it's not been as immediate as I'm going to stand up and leave, um, because I can't stop thinking about your shoes or in reference to your other story, the lack of shoes. Angus, what's your deal breaker? Uh, this is a classic. This is an oldie, but a goldie. Yeah. Uh, I went on a Tinder date with a girl and I kind of realized as I arrived that we'd never really discussed about what she did. Uh, and she was a researcher for a Tory MP. Ooh. Um, yeah, which actually my initial reaction to was like, this was kind of David Cameron era. So kind of in that point. So where you're they still were, on board. <laughs> <laughs> kind of that era where uh, some Tories were sort of pretending that they were like left wing and stuff. 
Um, so I was a bit like, look, this doesn't have to be a completely unpleasant evening. I can kind of uh, just get through this. But then she was just so aggressively Tory the entire time. Can I ask, was this in London or Bristol? This was in London. In London. So presumably if you're like someone in your 20s in London and you're a massive Tory, you must be used to, to an extent, people finding that a bit difficult. Yeah, yeah. Did she say anything? I think, did I think she, she sort did, of... She did sense the awkwardness around it. She was like, when I went, because when I asked her what she did and she told me, she probably also saw me <laughs> repulsed <laughs> on the other side of the table. But, but she did, she kind of did say like, yeah, I'm guessing you're not like, you know, and I was like, no, no, I'm not. And then it kind of was a bit frosty and a bit silent, but she did seem kind of genuinely a bit like, oh, as if like, oh God, this always happens. I mean, obviously the quick fix is don't be a Tory. I think we'd need at least kind of Blairite for things to be looking like right. we might go for dinner, maybe do dinner and a show. But um, now a deal breaker might be the type of Labour. I know, it's really complicated now. <laughs> I'm kind of glad, I'm glad I'm in. now in a relation. I'm glad that like since Labour's in disarray, I'm glad I'm in a relationship because that would <laughs> yeah. be too much it's instability in my life. Field. Anyone who's not a Corbyn supporter but a reluctant Corbyn supporter who sees a lot of the flaws in him. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is, is really it. That's like question. now the acceptable group is like, I will only have sex with people who became a Labour member in order <laughs> to get Corbyn in but are now disillusioned <laughs> because he's ineffectual or you go on like, a date and they're like I think Chukwumuna should be leader and you're like really that could be a problem that's okay but let me ask you this like what if the date had gone great what if she'd been charming and funny and a bit posh but like you really got on and you shared interest in dubstep or whatever it is that you're into I think this is the thing about deal breakers though isn't it it's not necessarily that you think there is a defect with the other person it's the defect within yourself that immediately is highlighted so I think the defect within myself is that I can't get over I can't get past that that's what the deal breaker is it's not them it's you could anyone else on this liberal lovey podcast get over dating a Tory yeah I've interacted with enclaves of conservatives I know you have young people in London and have had to learn to coexist on occasion for the sake of the um, size of the house parties on offer mm. and that is a key factor in this is that what you lose with uh, political righteousness you do gain a lot of tend to gain a lot of in good parties and sort of mm. big houses yeah big what houses. I would say is I think there's a there's a there's like a difference between like being friends with or hanging out with Tories and dating Tories so like I I've found myself in similar uh, enclaves and ghettos from time to time. Uh, they don't like however, to call them that. <laughs> <laughs> however, uh, dating was very different because she picked the location, uh, which was a very, very expensive cocktail bar. And yet dating protocol, especially with a Tory, meant that I had to buy the drink. So I was like dropping like £10 on each drink. Isn't uh, that a totally standard cocktail price? Though? No, that's a deal breaker for me. The second I had to drop £10 full stop. Yeah. <laughs> and I was also looking at her thinking like, the, the chances are you can definitely afford these drinks a lot more than I can. Let's put it this way. Would you be in a relationship with a paid up member of the Conservative Party? Stand up if you think you would. I, th I think I, c I could. I just don't think I would. I don't think I would. Um, okay, so basically no one's dating a Tory at Vice, no massive surprises there. Hannah, what's your deal breaker? I mean, you did a whole list of them once, I remember. Yeah, and I got a lot of um, extreme hate for simply describing the perfect man. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I put what turns you off and I just said 
Successful musicians, struggling musicians, Tories, anyone who likes to play or watch cricket is a legitimate sport. Anyone with more than a passing interest in football or worse, wrestling. Guys who eat meat, especially red meat in front of me. Guys with an unhealthy diet or who can't cook. Small feet, gross teeth, bitten nails, long nails, bucket hats, coloured trousers, v-necks, posh accents, grating American accents, bitchy guys, quiet guys, overly loud guys and posh guys. Um, Hannah, are you currently seeing anyone? I'm not. So that probably says a lot. I think I am quite picky, but this is obviously a big list of like loads of different um, things that I would not be into. Why do you think? But why do you think that you have such a, lo a long list, internal list? It's probably yeah, like Angus says. It probably says more about me than it does about other people. It's entirely just because I'm quite critical, but I'm also self-critical. So I suppose it swings both ways. I would say. Thinking of the deal breaker, which actually happened. This was a particularly bad date. It was from Tinder. He knew that at the time I was vegetarian and he picked where we were going to eat. Not Angus Steakhouse. It was Angus Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> it literally Angus Steakhouse. And no then we way. met. Where is he from? Well, he's, um, he's from up north. I'm not sure what. It's not a different country. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I'm not. I just thought in no English people went to Angus Steakhouse. What was the unwritten rule? It was only for people in London on their first time and probably last time in London. And it was Leicester Square. He said to you on Tinder, let's meet at Angus Steakhouse. No, he said, let's meet and I'll surprise you when we get No, that was and his big... And then we went for a drink <laughs> and then oh we God. went to this place and it was, I couldn't even believe it, but because I was actually really skint at this time and going through a patch of like going on dates to sort of eat. Okay, um, that's another podcast. Uh, that's another <laughs> podcast in itself. We went in and I was just like, I, I can't even believe this is happening, but it's so bad. It's probably going to be content in some way. So it was fine. And you were and right. <laughs> and I was right. And then he was like, oh, it's fine. There are veggie options. Looked on the menu. I'm pretty sure like the only thing was like vegetarian skewers as a side. And I remember just having like fries and it's just sitting there in front of him eating this like really disgusting rare steak and like putting all this like garlic butter and salt all over it and i want to date this guy <laughs> it was just horrific from start to finish what happened in the moment where he revealed hashtag secret london <laughs> that he was going to take you to anger steakhouse why didn't you at that point say no okay a multitude of reasons i was drunk for starters wait you turned up to the date drunk no, because we went for drinks before, oh, okay, okay. and then this. He was saying, "Don't be surprised. You've got to yeah. build up." <laughs> yeah, and when I you're think going just ASH. honestly, like a lot of repulsion, a lot of repulsion, but also just like dis genuine disbelief that someone would know that I was vegetarian and take me there. I it's not like being that, like, yeah. "Oh, we'll just go to like." Prezzo or whatever. <laughs> like but at least he's not patronising you. It's not like we're going to veggie prep for dinner. He's like, I would love that. He's showing <laughs> you. He's really showing good. you the respect of saying we're going to a restaurant that mainly serves meat, but it's 2017, and you're someone who is potentially at ease if he didn't read your article. But he's saying no, so what he's saying is I don't give a. Fuck yeah, it's a power what move. You're into. Like, it's I a total do not give power a move. Single fuck that you're not going to enjoy this. I'm going to make you watch me eat this big slab of flesh. And that's what deal breakers say. They say, it isn't about the thing. It's about the thing it says about you. I mean, 
I'm not even a vegetarian. And for me, it would be a deal breaker if someone took me to Angus Steakhouse. Not just, just, just <laughs> as like, I think if we ended up there in a kind of like fun way and we were in Leicester Square, but to save it, to promise a surprise, then go for drinks first and then build up and the surprise is... For me, I would marry them there on the spot because I don't know anyone who's eaten at Angus Steakhouse it's like the surprise in our generation. Like going back to their house and finding out they're really into like Nazi memorabilia. It's a surprise, Bitch. but it's not a nice one. Yeah. Do you know what? I see, I don't think that I'm principled enough to find this deal breaker because, for example, when I started seeing my girlfriend, we were both smokers i think because we were both single and like it's good to smoke when you're single because you get a lot of sort of smoking area chit chat and within three weeks we'd both given it up because it was <laughs> then once it was on there was no need for it anymore and i have you know neither of us have had a proper cigarette in a, in a year or something okay so i'm not gonna make anyone stand up but all the vegetarians basically in agreement that this is unacceptable i wouldn't mind going out with someone who ate meat um but like I said before, I think it's the principle of them saying, I'm going to go to this place which is offensively meaty mm. and offensively bad. It's not even a good steakhouse. <laughs> like, I mean, that's like, what I'm going to say. No one knows. No one's been there. It's the biggest <laughs> mystery. I in London. Look- um, Fred, what's your deal breaker? Um, this is going to sound slightly abstract, but my deal breaker is actually dates themselves. Right, going on a date or even a series of dates, the whole prospect of suggesting a location to meet, a time and an activity, whether it be drinking, eating, bowling or fishing, I don't know what it is young people do, just fills me with dread. Why? Because I think it's impossible to engage in one of those situations without becoming so self-conscious and aware of this kind of defunct 50s mating ritual that i just i just don't go there and on occasion when i've had to go on a series of dates with people who find that the only appropriate way of quote unquote getting to know each other um it's always ended in a disaster probably at a vietnamese restaurant on kingsland road but how do you then what's the alternative to that well my th- 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 <laughs> <laughs> he just goes, he just goes to the Labour Party conference and picks up chicks and uh, A, I probably have it. to be content to sleep with slightly less people than the rest on this panel but B, don't you all agree that most of your most meaningful relationships you've had weren't born of dating but were more from meeting someone in a chance situation and building some sort of rapport over a series of natural occasions. You may have along the way had a drink or gone for dinner, but it wasn't Thursday, a film, Sunday, a walk (laughs) in the park, Tuesday, drinks in town, followed by a late night Chinese. (laughs) The the next Friday, um, friends leaving drinks, you can come come along too. You know, th- th- this weird, whole like, yeah, but- bingo. series of oh. But uh, you're just dating in your friendship group, then. Like you're just, but so, for, you know. But I'm not dating. Work, I'm not d- d- I wouldn't. But you're, you're see, but you're meeting people within the same world, rather than saying, okay, what's you know, sort of further outside. Yeah, I mean, maybe I, I, it shuts me off from some of the great possibilities in the world, and I'm almost certain that's true because every time I meet someone who's nothing to do with anyone I know, they're always much friendlier, warmer, and more interesting. (laughs) But what I'm not going to do is speak to a stranger 
ask them or even worse suggest a mutually beneficial meeting point so okay you meet someone in a natural situation at a party among friends a friend of a friend you then meet them at a series of subsequent parties then my parents contact their parents <laughs> so we strike a deal <laughs> there must be a point after all that natural happening where you think I'm into this person. I want to spend more time but with them. But by that point, you've probably had sex. In 2017, or like, or you've got along, or all your friends have spoken to all their mm. friends, and again, you've struck up a deal. Right. Or you've done enough um, flirty social media interactions. You've poked or liked your way into their... Right. Um, and then... will. But then you like, spend oh, some more time shit, with them. We're and meeting up at eight. Them? I better go for a drink at seven, so I'm ready. And then like, oh... What are you drinking? Should we have a shot? Like tee hee and this this kind but of. But I think you've built up this. <laughs> yeah, whole I thing. feel like you're building these yeah. walls, and you need to use this as an opportunity to punch them down. Because I think I totally get what you're saying about how these really natural, organic ways of m meeting people are the most enjoyable, and that's usually where you actually fall in love but they're so rare for the quote marks the air quotes on that were very yeah, big. worthwhile relationships are rare i'd say if you're going to have sex have sex if you want to go to the cinema go to the cinema and if you want to bring a friend to come to the cinema <laughs> with you also great but this in between that is a waste of time and money where you don't ne doesn't necessarily lead to sex and doesn't necessarily lead to a relationship i think is is an outdated but Let me idea. make the case. Okay. No. I think you're wrong. And I enjoy, I think, all the bits of dating that you hate the most. <laughs> I agree with everyone saying, you know, you can still go for dinner with someone and not be a date. But I enjoy what I think of as basically a real life reality show called Britain's Got People. And basically, <laughs> yeah. Is this podcast and, a long-winded way for you to get your TV show? Yeah, I'm pitching it. No. The it's TV... a long-winded way of getting a date. <laughs> yeah. I like that you like sit down in some place that could be quite rubbish or like you say it says a lot about them that they've chosen it and you sit and you chat to them and you're like meeting this whole new thing and then sometimes if it goes well you have sex and even if it goes badly it's like this weird insight into like this whole world that you knew nothing about and it's entertaining and it's kind of exhilarating because it's slightly risky and, and unknown and that in itself is like quite a good feeling i think it is true that first dates are entirely unmagical if you do meet someone off tinder or whatever there's none of that thing of like you've won someone over or you've had to make yourself feel nervous or there's been a flirtation that's turned into something and i think that lack of magic is okay. inherent in their then later failure because you were never that excited about it in the first place even if you had met that person in some other situation and worked up to it as it were maybe i'll change my thing then for that you make a good point maybe i'll qualify and say first dates is it a i want to avoid a deep because eventually you will need to <laughs> you face will need up to, to <laughs> i'm really sorry but eventually you'll have to go on a date the idea of you and another person together engaging with each other's personality your poor ex-girlfriends yeah. <laughs> that is the th yeah that's the flip side is that it does sound like you're slightly scared to be alone with the people that you're seeing <laughs> You're never more alone than when it's just you and one other person. Or alone with yourself. Okay, we've narrowed it down to first dates. Stand up if, given the choice, you would never go on another traditional drink and a meal first date again. 
Oh, Fred and Nina and Angus is getting close. Angus is getting close. Go on, Angus. Oh, Angus as well. Just to clarify, I'm so conflicted because they are so appalling, but yet the thought of not having them is a bit like not having like some of my tem like worst haircuts and fashion decisions. It's like such a part of my experience, my coming of age journey. So I kind of feel like I shouldn't stab them in the back just for the sake of podcast. Yeah. I think the more that we exist in... Uh, in, in these kind of digital spheres, the more of ourselves we put there, the less interest, the less there is in real life. Like when you go on a date with someone you've meticulously researched, you know their sexual history better than them before you've even met up in the pub. And you know you've been through all their tagged pictures, so you pretty much got an idea of the last five years of their life. Sometimes what you're left with in the physical form can feel a little less of a whole because you're joining dots that you've already made before you've even got to know them. And I think until we can put slightly less impetus on all these other ways in which we exist and get back to a kind of real human-to-human -human interaction, we will have a bit of a problem with creating anything genuinely meaningful and it it won't just be the kind of divorce rate that we're worrying about, but any sort of long-term relationships full stop. You think too much, man. So probably, probably because I'm not going on any dates or having any <laughs> sex. Um, a bleak, a bleak outlook. But <laughs> Nina, Fred, thanks very much. Yeah, But It's Not As Simple As That was produced by Sam Bonham at Rethink Audio. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Maybe even leave us one of those delicious five-star reviews. I'm Sam Wolfson. We'll be back soon. Here, borrow this, you'll, you'll be very into it. Great. I will. And I'll, uh, I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.